Welcome to the Business of Biotech Summer Executive Sessions Edition, where we get up close and personal with the people who are driving biopharma innovation and their roles as leaders of new and emerging biopharma companies. Joining me today is Jeff Wolf, founder of Heat Biologics, a company that's built a proprietary GP96 platform to activate immune responses against pathogenic or cancer antigens. Jeff is a multi-time founder and venture capitalist, having previously launched or co-launched Seed One Ventures, Generation One, Tyrex Pharma, Elusis Therapeutics, and Avagen after beginning his career with the VC firm Castle Group. Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, Thank you. It's a pleasure. Yeah. I appreciate it. Pleasure to have you. Uh, did I get all those those companies right? Is there any, anything that I missed? Uh, kind of the high level view of your of your your pre heat biologics. Yeah, you missed quite a few, but but I don't talk about those. So <laughs> <laughs> I think all the ones that I talk about, you got. All right, good, good. Well, uh, if you don't talk about them, neither do I. Um, <laughs> so today we're going to get into the weeds a little bit about how you architected and continue to grow your current company around the GP96 uh, therapeutic platform. But before we get into that uh, unique perspective on the, the, the foundations of your company, I want to learn a little bit more about you and share that with the audience. So uh, looking at your background, you know, it occurs to me that you can do a lot of things going a lot of different directions when you walk away from uh, NYU with your JD uh, and earn a Stanford MBA, which, uh, w- which you've done. So high level, why, why biotech? Uh, w- where does your interest in science kind of lie? What's the genesis there? You know, I've, all, I've always been interested in, uh, in cool things. And, you know, even growing up, I, I, uh, I always like new technology. I like learning about science. I like reading about things that uh, just these crazy things that people, people don't really focus, <laughs> don't really focus on. And, um, and um, when, when I graduated from uh, business school, I, I really wanted to uh, do something that was, uh, that was different at the time. Uh, something where I could constantly learn. So I, um, I got a job at a, a very early stage venture capital firm, but they were different from others in that they were focused really on forming new biotech companies um, at the time based on, on cool technologies at universities. And without much of a science background, uh, it just meant I had to work two or three times harder than uh, than anyone else to really understand the science, but um, but I uh, I find my that. I find myself in a similar situ- situation right now. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. the new editor of Bioprocess Online. Right, yeah, yeah I hear you, and it's um, you know, but 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 it's something I really enjoyed, and I really enjoyed you know keeping up to date on all the really cool new developments uh, going on uh, going on in. Uh, in science and in biotech. So uh, uh, I like it. And, uh, and I, the fact that I, that I really love the science makes it that much easier uh, to form new companies based upon, based upon cool science. Yeah. Uh, so ha- having that VC background from the outset, um, what, what, what sort of, uh, what facilitated or inspired the jump to, to biotech 
founder. Uh, and, and was that a jump? I mean, did you, did you consider that a jump or did it just feel like a natural progression? Yeah, it, it was more, it was more of a transition than, than a jump because um, the firm, the firm that I worked for was, was not a classic VC form. I mean, everything they did, they formed from scratch. And that's mm-hmm. really where I, where I cut my teeth into how to, how to go about acquiring new technologies and forming new companies around these technologies. And, uh, you know, I, I, I left and I started forming these new companies under the rubric of uh, Seed One Ventures, which was uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, initially I, I formed it with a partner mm-hmm. um, and uh, eventually it was my, my alter ego in forming, in forming these companies, including Heat. Um, um, but, but it set up kind of a, an organized structure for me, to, for me to do this in. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So uh, let, let's talk about heat for a minute. What was the the, the genesis um, of, of heat? Uh, how, how did you kind of get get that ball rolling? Yeah. So um, you know, at the time, I, I was looking at you know many new cool technologies uh, under development, and I came across uh, this uh, this really. Uh, renegade professor uh, at the University of Miami. His name was uh, Dr. Eckert Podak, and he was chairman of immunology there, but just a really uh, brilliant man and uh, really a visionary. Uh, He's a man that really didn't care too much about the conventional ways that things are done. Mm. It really had, he he went where the science uh, led him. He He was a genius and he was unstoppable and I met him and he, um, you know, he really struck me as an individual who believed in what he was doing and was doing things that were really revolutionary. And he told me about this really fascinating protein called GP96. Now, GP96, a lot of work was done on GP96 at Sloan Kettering. Uh, it's a protein and it's in all of our cells and the natural function of this protein in our cells is to fold uh, the, uh, the, pe- the, other, the, uh, the, the, the other proteins in our cells and the peptides and place them on the cell surface. It's what's known as a chaperone, pro- uh, chaperone molecule, GP96. It's a heat shock protein. Now, what they found at Sloan Kettering is that when cells die via necrosis or unnatural cell death, it releases this GP96 bound to the protein it's folding at the time. And over time, when, when, as the immune system uh, detected this complex of GP96 bound to a protein, uh, the immune system recognized that there's something wrong. It shouldn't be seeing GP96 out there. So GP96 kind of co-evolved with the immune system to become what's known as a, a, a dangerous associated molecular protein damp or um, an early warning system uh, to detect necrotic cell death. Mm-hmm. Now, when T cells, when, when uh, so GP96 is taken up by dendritic cells and cross presented to T cells. Now, when the immune system detects this GP96, it goes into high alert because it knows that there's a problem. So it unleashes uh, a, uh, a very robust 
pan-antigen T-cell immune attack against everything that it sees bound to GP96. Now, and what they found in Sloan Kettering is that this is the primary pathway to activate T-cells due to necrotic cell death. And Dr. Podak looked at this and he studied this and he said, you know, this can really be a very robust way to activate T-cells against cancer, against infectious disease, against a whole host of other things. If you could kind of harness this approach, harness these hundreds of millions of years of evolution and create cells that continually secrete GP96 bound to, bound to antigens of interest. And that's exactly what, what uh, Dr. Podak did. And so he was telling me about how he, he harnessed this approach. He created cells that are continually secreting GP96 to activate T cells against cancer and infectious disease. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was, you know, when, when I first heard this, I, I really didn't believe that an approach like this is possible. I mean, how can you genetically modify cells and uh, activate these cells to uh, harness, uh, genetically modify cells to secrete uh, GP96 and, and just unleash a, a very vast uh, pan-antigen, very specific T-cell immune response against the antigen of interest. But he showed me the data and we, we went through the data and the mouse data was really incredible. And I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is really super cool. Uh, and it could be revolutionary and transformative, transformative uh, against a whole host of diseases. Yeah. Uh, well, I showed this to uh, immunologists who I know that were a lot smarter than me. And, and I said, well, what do you think of this? They go, well, it's interesting, but whatever you do, don't form a company around it. I said, well, if it's, if it's so good, why shouldn't I form a com company around it? They said, because everyone knows that um, the immune system is never going to, uh, you're never going to be able to activate the immune system to treat cancer. And that was in 2008. And now flash forward. Immuno-oncology um, is the hottest thing. It's one of the hottest things out there. Yeah. And it's good that I did not listen to the advice of this bird. Sure. Well, that's when I formed this company. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's where I was going with, uh, with, with my question on that. You characterized Dr. Podak as a renegade professor. And here you are, a venture capitalist, uh, you know, perhaps looking for your next opportunity, interested in the science. Sounds risky, though, especially during that time when, uh, you know, uh, uh, immunotherapy wasn't necessarily considered a, a, an opp opportunity or uh, there wasn't a future there for treatment of cancer. Mm -hmm. um, how, how, how did you reconcile that? How did you, uh, you know, I, I talk with so many leaders of, of pharma companies and emerging biopharma companies whose, you know, primary MO, especially in the fundraising early stages, is to de-risk everything, but it sounds like there was some inherent risk uh, in the opportunity that you were you were seeking with this quote-unquote renegade professor and his crazy ideas. Right. I mean, so you know, I think that there are times when when uh, when you listen to the experts, and there are times that you don't. You know, um, I think great revolutions in science have come about. Uh, in a large part from, from the renegades, from the people who have different ideas. And most of these ideas were dismissed by um, the more conventional scientists, the, estab uh, the scientific establishment for many years until the data was overwhelming. And this, 
this, this happens in, in so many different areas in science. And so at some point, you have to dismiss the experts and go with your gut. And in this case, my gut told me that, and my review of the data that Eckert generated and his lab generated, and it told me that he's really onto something and he's onto something potentially revolutionary and different. Uh, it's gonna take years to prove out, but if this works, it, it could be transformative. Uh, yeah. so, so I went with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have to ask why heat? It's an interesting name. Why, why heat biologics? Uh, because we, we heat up the immune system. We supercharge the immune system with T cells, right. uh, activate a robust T cell immune response. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's, basically, uh, it's basically supercharging, uh, supercharging T cells. Cool. So you, you, you just said a minute ago, you know, you were excited about the opportunity, the, the, the possibility, the potential if we could make it work. Uh, so what was the most challenging thing about making it work or getting to a point where you had even more confidence that it could work? You know, I, I think the most challenging thing and, uh, you know, actually the, the biggest mistake that I made um, at HEAT was, uh, you know, our first couple of clinical trials where we uh, dosed patients uh, as a standalone, uh, use this as a standalone as opposed to uh, with a checkpoint inhibitor. Mm -hmm. So um, what we do is, and what we uh, do very robustly is we activate T cells, but the T cells still need to get into, into the cancer. They still need to destroy cancer cells. And uh, as, as you know, uh, cancer cells are protected um, by this, um, by this kind of milieu in the cancer microenvironment, and checkpoint inhibitors break down uh, the the this milieu that's protecting uh, cancer from immune attack. And so we went in as a standalone. We were generating T cells, but we weren't getting to the cancer. Mm -hmm. You have to combine with a checkpoint. And our drug helps checkpoint. It's, it's uh, synergistic. We believe it's synergistic with checkpoints. And checkpoints are synergistic, we believe, with our drug. But you really need that one-two punch. So I think, uh, I think by combining with checkpoints, we're now seeing data that's really, uh, that's really uh, amazing. And uh, data that we re recently announced at ASCO that show um, that we can, using our drug, uh, we've doubled the overall uh, survival benefit of patients with not late stage patients with non-small cell lung cancer uh, compared to trials that were with checkpoint inhibitors alone. So in trials with checkpoint inhibitors alone that these trials were approved on with BMS's checkpoint inhibitor, these patients saw a median overall survival of about a year, about 12 months. And we're seeing a median overall survival when we combine our drug with checkpoint in inhibitors of about 28, over 28 months. Mm -hmm. uh, so we show that we activate T cells. We show the T cells we activate invade the tumor site. And now we're showing that there's potential uh, and substantial overall survival benefit uh, with, uh, by combining our drug with checkpoint inhibitors. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about the, the structure of your company and its organization. 
um, shift gears a little bit here and still still discuss the, the GP96 platform, but it's my understanding that, um, you know, most, I guess, I don't, know, I don't know if most is a fair characterization, but we'll say most biopharma companies form an organization, uh, perhaps around uh, a molecule or an idea, but then they, they, they sort of uh, fit the science of the organization. It's my understanding that you intentionally structured your company around this platform. And I want to understand that a little bit better. So um, tell me about that. What's, what's the relationship between the, the organizational or management philosophy of your company and its structure and, and the platform that you developed? So, so we uh, brought on people internally. So we're, we're at Heat uh, and it's a subsidiary Pelican. Uh, we're at about 35, uh, 35 team members. Uh, we've brought on team members that are uh, immunologists that um, uh, are cancer biologists are people who really understand uh, the biology of cancer and the immune system uh, and who really understand the importance of this uh, GP96 mechanism and how T cells can uh, dramatically enhance the, uh, the treatment of cancer. And so we've built a team to specifically develop this uh, drug and now with, we, we acquired a, a, new, a new drug uh, a couple of years ago that we just announced a phase one clinical trial on that has a complementary mechanism of action. So the team, the team that we've built really understand um, immuno-oncology. They understand how T cells uh, can, can assist in treatment of oncology and uh, how, these, uh, how these drugs can really, uh, can really augment uh, treatment. The business of biotech is committed to helping the leaders of new and emerging biopharma companies navigate the financial, organizational, human resources, and regulatory waters you'll encounter on your way from discovery to the clinic and beyond. Cytiva, formerly GE Healthcare Life Sciences and the gracious supporter of this project, is also committed to that cause. Check out Cytiva's resources for emerging biotech at cytivalifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. That's C-Y-T-I-V-A lifesciences.com backslash emerging biotech. So it sounds like the sort of the... Um the foundational key is is people, uh, bringing in bringing in people and letting them sort of direct. And I'm curious, uh, th this new drug uh, that has a complementary mechanism of action uh, was that sort of a, an ancillary discovery that maybe wouldn't have been found had you not had the right people on board or ha had the right people on board to want to go out and acquire that. Well, it's something we, we knew about for a long time and have been tracking this, this very novel target. Um, it's a co-stimulatory target uh, that can uh, really supercharge our efforts as well as uh, checkpoint inhibitors as well. Uh, as well. It's a, it's a co-stimulator, but it's a very novel one. It's a first in class. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I think if, if we did not have uh, this team uh, in place that uh, that really uh, understood the science behind it, understood how to conduct clinical trials behind it, understood how to manufacture these drugs. Uh, we would not um, we would not uh, really have been fully able to take advantage of this opportunity. 
Yeah. Team like that doesn't just fall into place. You, you know, you, you've got to go out and make that happen. Uh, t mm -hmm. Tell us about that. How, how did you go out and assemble this, this team of, of folks who are uh, well suited to work on this specific platform? You know, it, it took a while. It took a while to, uh, to put together the right group of people to, uh, who really understood this. And, and, you know, we've made mistakes in the past uh, in, in terms of, um, in terms of hiring and we've, uh, we've, uh, corrected those mistakes. Uh, but I think that the team that we have now, uh, is, is really the result of, uh, you know, years of, uh, working with this drug, uh, wor working with this platform technology and, uh, really, uh, modulating what we need based on uh, what, what we're seeing uh, in, um, in preclinical and, clin and clinical trials mm -hmm. with this. Yeah, are, are there any other, uh, I guess, structural or, um, I don't know, maybe fundraising considerations or uh, just, just key, key parts of the puzzle uh, that, that you pulled together that were directly, directly related to your intent to build uh, your intention to build the organization around the around the platform. Yeah, well, we knew um, we knew that we're going to need a lot of money uh, to develop this platform uh, because of the potential ubiquity of the platform in in a variety of different areas and the cost of running uh, oncology clinical trials in particular. Yeah. So we uh, you know we we took the company public in 2013. And we've raised over 200 million uh, for heat uh, already uh, to uh, develop this approach. Uh, I think uh, the public markets really gave us access to the type of capital that we would need uh, to to really develop it. And uh, you know we've um, you know we've raised money when when we've needed to and when when the opportunities were there. Yep. Yep. So 2008 eight, uh, founding. Did you say? Yes. Yep. So 2008 founding, 2013 public. What, uh, as the company's grown, you said there are 35 associates at this point. Um, and, and as you focused on building that team with very specific people with very specific, you know, interests, intellect, skill sets, uh, how would you, you know, from, from the leader's perspective, how would you say that has paid off for the organization in terms of processing efficiencies and, and, and cost controls and responsibilities around, around the finances? Um, because I, it occurs to me that certainly that, that there would be an impact there. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we've, we've gotten a lot better over time. Uh, you know, I think we, we, uh, now we have a great finance team that does, does their best to keep, keep cost under control. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's been, it's been a challenge. You know, we, we have so many activities going on. Uh, we have activities that we've spoken about publicly with respect to HS110, mm -hmm. with respect to PTX35, which, with respect to uh, HS130, but also, um, and, and these are the drugs that are in clinical trials now. Uh, we also announced a COVID-19 program uh, in March that we're, we're working as hard as we can to, to move our product into the clinic uh, for that using the same platform. But we also have programs we haven't announced yet. And, you know, these uh, eat up time and, and resources and energy, but it's really going to position us uh, 
for the future uh, with, with these new programs. So, but the, the challenge is keeping cost under control. And that's something that is really uh, in our DNA here. So we, we, do, we do everything we can, I mean, especially on the manufacturing and clinical side to, uh, to control costs and run things as, as efficiently as possible. And our finance team does all that they can to, to you know, to make sure that that uh, costs are within within the realm because costs really really drive everything for uh, for a small biotech company like ours. Sure, the finance team does everything it can, meaning uh, keeps the pressure on, right? <laughs> keeps, oh, absolutely. Keeps applying the pressure. Yeah, I mean, we have we have departmental meetings. We uh, you know where they where they run through cost and and ask very difficult questions about uh, you know uh, why you know, why, why things cost so much, you know, if there's any, any steps we can take to, to reduce those costs, even in our manufacturing as well. Manufacturing, it's a, it's a, it's a big chunk of, uh, big chunk of cash. And I, I, I'd say that's probably the case, you know, in, in, uh, in most biopharmas, but is there, is there a specific aspect of manufacturing this particular, these particular uh, therapeutics uh, that, that um, exacerbates that, that, cost of manufacturing challenge? Yeah, I mean, the, these are biologics. So in the case of HS110, it's a, a you know, we're manufacturing living cells mm -hmm. and we're injecting those cells into patients. It's a, a very unique manufacturing process. Um, not that many people are really skilled in it. And in the case of antibodies, uh, our PTX35 uh, antibody can, manufacturing can be very expensive as well. So uh, we work with uh, groups that uh, understand our unique needs as a small company and can work with us to efficiently uh, manufacture manufacture our drugs for the clinic. Yeah. So mo that the, all, is all that activity outsourced or do you do any manufacturing in that? All, all of our manufacturing is outsourced. When we, we thought about building our own um, internal manufacturing capabilities, but that's a very expensive proposition and we could do it a lot more efficiently by, uh, by outsourcing it. And that's, yeah. that's what we do. Sure, okay. Uh, you, you mentioned that you're working on a, a COVID program as well. Is that something you can uh, briefly touch on publicly? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about our COVID program. Um, basically what we're doing is we're applying these very same tools that we, the same vaccine uh, platform that we've used to dose over 300 patients in oncology uh, GP96 platform. Oncology, we've dosed in, uh, uh, in preclinical studies with our collaborators. It's been used against the Zika virus, uh, malaria, HIV, and NIH and Department of Defense funded preclinical studies. So what we've done is we've modified this GP96 platform to create cells that are continually uh, secreting um, antigens of interest bound to GP96 against COVID-19. So uh, we're looking to bring uh, this program into manufacturing uh, shortly and into clinical trials as, as soon as possible. Uh, but it's a very unique approach. And I think one way it differs from all of the other approaches that are in clinical trials. There, right now there's about a dozen companies that are in clinical trials for COVID-19 but all of them focus on activation of the antibody humoral response. We're focused primarily on activation of a T cell response, mm -hmm. which uh, as we're learning now 
is very important in uh, the treatment, in the prevention of COVID-19. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a unique program. It's a program, again, that we could use as a standalone vaccine, or we could overlay it on top of any approved vaccine to add kind of a T-cell layer of protection. So it's a program we're really excited about, and we're working uh, as fast as possible to, um, to get something in the clinic uh, as soon as we yeah. possible. Uh, how, how challenging has it been for you? This is, this is a softball. This is a lob. Okay. How challenging has it been? I mean, I, I know it's been challenging. I just, I just want a, a story about it. Uh, <laughs> so you, so you, here you are. You're, you're focused on on HS110. It's making progress, uh, and then and then COVID hits, and you realize that perhaps that's an indication that you can tackle. Uh, it's a it's a race. You know, it's a it's a it's a race right now from a market perspective, from a public, you know, health and safety perspective. Um, just just tell me about how you've managed that challenge as the leader at Heat, uh, allocating resources to keep your promising oncology programs moving forward, and at the same time, jump into the race uh, for a for a COVID treatment. Oh yeah, no, no, it's it's been it's been a challenge. It's been a challenge. I mean, we, we have uh, a lot of momentum on our oncology side. And now, uh, you know, in March, you know, we decide to add a, um, a COVID-19 program. So, um, you know, we're working with groups on the outside uh, to really help us manage that, uh, especially our academic collaborators uh, who are helping with the development and testing of the cell line and preclinical studies. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've all been working uh, double shifts here to um, keep both programs going. Um, double shifts and, and probably uh, double shifts uh, in a very uh, disparate workplace, right? You've got people, I'm, I'm assuming you're not all, you know, gathering at, at, at HQ and uh, bumping into one another in the lab. Well, yeah, actually, we, we have the lab. The lab is uh, fully functioning. Okay. Now. We keep... Both labs open, so we have, uh, our main lab is in uh, Research Triangle Park, uh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And then we have a second lab in San Antonio, Texas. And both labs now uh, through, uh, through this pandemic have been uh, fully functioning. So we maintain uh, social distancing and uh, you know, we take uh, other recommended precautions, but but it was important to us, I mean, especially as we're developing a COVID-19 vaccine, uh, to ensure that both labs are, are fully functioning. Right, right. Good. Well, that's, that's good news to hear. I'm glad, uh, glad it hasn't disrupted lab operations. No, uh, or, or, no or it really hasn't. Minimally anyway, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, uh, we are running short on time, so I, uh, there, there, you know, I had more questions for you, but we're, we're just about up, uh, up to our end time here. Um, but I do want to give you an opportunity to just share a little bit about what's, what's next for HEAT and maybe share some uh, concluding thoughts, maybe some concluding wisdom for uh, the leaders of, of, of emerging bio companies like HEAT. Great. Yeah, well, well we, have, we have a really active pipeline with, with everything going on. Uh, going on at HEAT. And uh, I think the pipeline is augmented by 
some of the things we haven't spoken about and we're not at liberty to speak about until Mm, until we announce them but uh we'll we'll regroup at that at that point i'll bring you back on yeah there you go and maybe give me a full hour next time as well yeah yeah for sure (laughs) but uh but the the only um you know the only uh thing um you know that i'd like to add is you know this company uh wouldn't be possible if i would have listened to uh, the uh, conventional wisdom uh, espoused by very well-meaning uh, immunologists and others at the time. Um, you know, I think, I think you need to, uh, you know, if it's something you believe in, if it's something the data shows, uh, you know, go with it. Don't, don't, uh, don't listen to, to the advice of experts because often uh, experts are following what they know and, um, you know, really, um, you know, doing what, what they believe is best, but it might not be, it might not be the right, the right thing for the science. So, so go with, go with your heart, go with the science and, you know, really, uh, really, really do what you, what you feel is best as, as you're forming, as you're forming a biotech. Yeah. I just, uh, just, just, a just to ponder that for a minute, this, um, this combination of, of heart and science and, and discernment in, in where you want to invest your time, your money, your passion and, and other, and other people's time, money, and passion. Uh, it, it's, it's inspiring, but it's a hard thing to wrap your mind around like what that recipe looks like mm-hmm. when, when you're making a decision that's rooted in sound and promising opportunity versus emotion and desire how, how did you know i mean how, how what, what was like the, the real um i guess the the factor that that really sealed the deal for you that this was going to be uh i mean you, he he's been your longest for, from my perspective as far as i know it's been your longest running project it's the one that you really you know went all in on uh from mm-hmm. a from a bio uh, startup standpoint so I guess I'm just curious to, to, to kind of crystallize that a little right. bit more. How did you know? Yeah, you know, I mean, I really fell in love with the science here. Yeah. Uh, you know, the science, on the, I, I really like the science on the other companies that I formed. But, but this one I felt was, was really special and can really have the ability to impact so many different diseases. So, uh, and it's the kind of science the more you think about it, the more obsessed you become with it Mm. and the amazing things that this GP 96 can do. And if you could harness this power, you, you really have the ability uh, to treat, uh, to treat many things and to impact many, many different uh, diseases and many different lives. So, um, so I decided to, to really go all in on this and um, yeah, it's, um, it's uh, it's really you know it's really fascinating, and I learn more more about the science and tweaks on it every day. Yeah, well, keep up the good work, Jeff. It's uh, it's been a pleasure to have you. Thanks for joining us. Well, Matt, thank you. Really appreciate it. Yep, and we will do it again sometime. But in the meantime, that's Jeff Wolf. I'm Matt Piller, and this is the Business of Biotech, produced by Bioprocess Online and graciously sponsored by Cytiva. You can access more resources for emerging biotech at com backslash emerging biotech. In the meantime, subscribe to this podcast, give us five stars, and subscribe to our newsletter at bioprocessonline.com. Thanks for listening.